The Psalms we sing point forward to the passage we read in Luke of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is then further explained to us in Philippians chapter 2. We'll read that as the text for the message this morning of Philippians 2, verses 5 to 11. Continuing on from the message we heard Sunday morning, which was based on the first four verses. We'll now pick it up, Philippians 2, verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the The camera of scriptures in Luke slowly pans out, moving from a close-up of a human baby born in a manger to the packed inns and the crowded streets around because of the registration, to the fields outside the town where The shepherds are taking care of their flocks by night to the heavenly angels now announcing the birth of Jesus Christ. You see, the picture gets bigger and bigger. And as the camera continues to pan out in John's gospel, we see the bigger picture and learn how our Lord Jesus' birth had been prophesied ever since the fall into sin thousands of years before, and that he who made his dwelling among us was the Word with God who was God. In Philippians, the camera has panned out so far that not only can we learn about the the divine origins of the Son of God and his birth, death, and victory, But we can also see his continual reign as everlasting king, making that connection to the psalms that we sang together. Placing Jesus' birth in the center as the greatest example of God's self-sacrificial love for his people. The Holy Spirit is calling us this morning to think carefully about all that God has revealed about himself in this gracious incarnation coming into the flesh, becoming a baby, becoming man. Are you celebrating his amazing, unconditional, self-sacrificial love for you? Are you embracing his obedience and his righteousness for you in your place is death on the cross as a substitute for your sins? 
Are you living out of his victory so that you might follow his example in a humble desire to live in fellowship with one another? I preach to you the gospel of Jesus Christ under this theme, the exalted king we worship revealed his servant mindset in his incarnation when he became a baby. We'll see that Jesus Christ is the exalted king, the excellent servant, and the example for Christians. And as we sit in this warm church building here in Edmonton, Alberta, near the end of the year 2018, and then we find our place on the great timeline of God's eternal plan of redemption, we find that we are sitting here, we're at the very near the end of the line. We're waiting for our Lord Jesus to return. Together with the congregation in Philippi who received this letter many years before, together with them, we are, we are looking back on Christmas. The manger is empty. We're looking back on Good Friday. The cross is empty. Back on Easter, the tomb is empty. We're looking back on that day the Lord Jesus ascended into heaven, and we're looking back on Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was, was poured out. All those are past one-time events that will never be repeated. After his ascension, and we read that in our text, if you start looking at verse 9 to verse 9, God highly exalted, or the, the term is he, he super exalted our Lord Jesus Christ, raising him up to the highest place in the universe. And that is where he is being worshipped and adored by every creature, verses 9 and 10, that every creature in, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And to describe this exaltation, the Holy Spirit uses language connected to the Roman ceremonies of the promotion of a soldier to the higher rank of general or captain. It was bestowed upon that soldier in the same way the Holy Spirit says, when God saw Jesus' perfect obedience on earth, he bestowed on him not just the title captain or or general, or even king, but the name that is above every name. Yes, the name of the Lord, Yahweh, which is translated in the Greek as Lord. Everyone confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Whoever loves the Lord Jesus, whoever recognizes him as king, right now, today, is bowing their knees before him. We are the ones in humble worship. The Holy Spirit makes it clear that in all our celebration of Christmas, we must never forget the eternal divinity of Jesus Christ. We're not coming there as, as successful People looking down at a little baby saying, oh, isn't Jesus cute? Philippians tells us he is. Receive the name that is above every name. When we 
look to the throne of the, the Most High God. When we worship our Savior, Jesus, there, we confess that he has, and we read that in, in verse, verse 6 as well, that he has uh, always been in the form of God, which means, we read a little further, that he was equal to God. Our worship today is not just a, a casual gathering of a few sophisticated voters in some sort of democracy as if we gave Jesus the power and we're saying, how nice for you, Jesus. But our worship is better described as the grateful submission of subjects who are overwhelmed by the privilege of being in the presence of such an awesome and holy and almighty God and King. A true celebration of Christmas is done from our knees in the midst of giving glory and praise to the triune God. It is from our knees in humble dependence and submission and respect and humility that we say together, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God the Father is glorified even today in, in 2018 as the confession that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's spoken now in, in so many different languages and in so many different settings and in so many different places in the world. Jesus Christ is Lord. But how can it be? How can it be that the church that has always worshipped and glorified the eternal God in his heavenly majesty now associates the human name Jesus with the name that is above every name? That's what, what the Holy Spirit is explaining to us in Philippians. Never before had that title Christ, that title anointed one that we sang about in the Psalms, never had that title been an, uh, an associated with the anointer who is the eternal God of the covenant, the Lord Almighty. At no time before Jesus' holy conception and birth have God's people bowed in humble adoration before a Savior who had both a divine and a human nature. When our Lord Jesus was born in the flesh, God opened up a whole new window for us to, to look upon the fullness of his glory. When we bow in worship before the exalted king, we are bowing before Jesus, the son of Mary, the virgin who gave birth to him in Bethlehem. We are bowing before one who has our human flesh. We are bowing before Christ, the one who was anointed prophet, priest, and king so that he could obtain our redemption through his humiliation and his work. And we confess that he, Jesus Christ, is Lord, the name that is above every name. The gospel message that gives us hope this Christmas is that the Son 
that all the, everything that the Son of God did, he did as God himself, including the time he took our human nature upon himself. And so it is there on our knees in humble confession and praise before our highest king, our highest Lord, that we are called to remember his birth. Seeing him in all his glory, God tells us, remember his birth. Christmas celebration is not about traveling in time and putting Jesus back in the manger, but it is the time in your life when you need to reflect and think about what your king is like. Who is that Lord in heaven that you are worshiping? How can you worship him in your lives? Remember his birth, his obedient life on earth, and his death on the cross. Those are the things that make him so glorious. He is worshipped and adored not only for his exalted position and his complete victory, but also for the way that he obtained the victory. For your Lord is not only the most exalted king with a human nature in all the universe, but he was also the most excellent servant this world has ever known. He is Savior and Lord who emptied himself for the glory, the sake of others. The Holy Spirit tells us in Philippians 2 that when the Son of God was born of the Virgin Mary, he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. That's verse 7. Being born in the likeness of men. Luke 1, verses 26 to 27, that we read together, reveals the sovereign decision of God, the triune God in heaven, who sent Gabriel to a city on earth, a place called Galilee. And he was sent to talk, and we read in verse 28, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. The glory of God came down to a place here on earth, somebody who had neighbors, who had a house, who had a job. God himself came down. Mary, we read, had been hand-picked by God as the favored one who would conceive in her womb and would bear a son and the son's name would be Jesus. And when Mary asked for further explanation, we, we read Gabriel, the messenger from heaven, said in Luke 1 verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, the power of the Most High will overshadow you, therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God, the holy child of Mary, with human flesh and blood, was and remains true and eternal God. And, and the big picture behind that incarnation, when that's, when that's in our minds, that makes the description that we read in Luke 2, verses 6 to 7, 
all the more amazing because it's so regular. It's so normal. It's so, so easy to imagine. And while they were there, that's in Bethlehem during the time of the registration, the census, the time came for her to give birth. And Mary gave birth to her firstborn son and she wrapped him in swaddling cloths and she laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. When our Lord Jesus emptied himself, this does not mean he stopped being divine, stopped being God. But it means that that same holy, majestic, and glorious God came down from heaven to earth as a human baby held in the arms of humans here on earth. The loving, merciful, patient God who appeared in an earthquake and in and thunder and majesty at Mount Sinai revealed that his holiness and his majesty and his glory can also be seen in his humility and his willingness to join the sinful human race in the world that was under the curse. And so it happened like we read in John 1, <clears throat> verses 9 to 11, the true light which gives light to everyone came into the world. He was in the world and, and though the world was made through him, the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him did not see what was happening. And the Holy Spirit makes it clear that our Lord Jesus did not empty himself of the glory that was due his name, but he reveals the glory of God in his willingness to serve others. We read in Philippians 2, for he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. The Son of God is not like earthly kings who, or even earthly owners of companies or, or whatever who are, who are always working to earn honor for themselves, always seeking to be in the highest positions in order to fully reveal the glory of God. The Son of God emptied himself of his majestic position and added a human nature to his divinity. John 1 verse 14 just draws attention to this amazing revelation. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. That coming to the flesh is the glory of God. Although as God, he had every right to demand submission, to, to come and Punish the rebels with fire from heaven because he was God. Because grace and humility are part of the glory of God, he willingly chose to give his own life to save the very sinners who had rejected him, who had not known him. And so Christ demonstrates 
that equality with God does not mean taking advantage of his exalted position for himself. But equality with God means emptying himself. And being, and part of being God is being willing to serve others as a servant. By the grace of God, and we saw that when we walked in today, displayed on the wall, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. And then in verse 8, we see how the Holy Spirit is, is stretching out Jesus' humiliation like you might stretch out a telescope. The Holy Spirit takes one verse, quickly speaks about his birth in the likeness of men, stretches it out, followed by his obedience and his submission to his Father, and then stretches it out a bit to show even more, which then brought him to the point of death, even death on a cross. The poverty that the Son of God was immersed in, when he took on our human nature, it did not end in the straw and the swaddling cloths of the manger. For being found in appearance as a man, because he had a human body and a human soul, the Lord Jesus was able to humble himself even further when he submitted himself in obedience to God's plan of redemption by placing himself under the law. You read about that in Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. And then he humbled himself yet even further when he bore the burden of God's wrath against the sins of the human race so that whoever believes in him might be delivered from their fear of death and be granted eternal life. We read in Hebrews 2, verses 14 to 16. In every way in his life, Jesus Christ was one who was always serving you, his people. He did it all for your sake. He is an excellent servant who fully obeyed the will of God by giving his life as a sacrifice to save all God's children. And brothers and sisters, as, as we reflect on Christmas, compare Compare the majesty of heaven's throne with the manger of Bethlehem. And you can see why we praise God at Christmas time. Compare being the eternal creator of heaven and earth with the helpless baby in the virgin's womb. And you can begin to get a sense of the magnitude of the message of Christmas. Compare the immortality of the divine nature in glorious light with the human nature of Jesus Christ hanging dead on a cross in the darkness. And you will see why Jesus' conception and his birth give us a moment to pause in silent thankfulness. Compare the 
eternal hellish agony that, that we deserve for our sins with the gospel message that God sent his own son as a substitute to pay for all our sins and, and to deliver us from God's wrath. And you will begin to understand the glory of the eternal God that we will worship forever. In the incarnation of the Son of God, we learn what the kingdom of God is like. We learn what it means to be a part of the body of Jesus Christ in self-sacrificial love. We learn the glory of servanthood. Yes, once again this Christmas we learn what it means to be a Christian. It's an example. Let's to remember this Christmas that whole description of the incarnation of the Son of God. Remember that obedience and the death of Jesus Christ for us and in our place. And if you look at Philippians again, you see how his work is given as an example for everyone who wants to follow him and glorify his Father in heaven. If you are one of those under the divine triune blessing. There's your example. The emptying of our Lord Jesus Christ who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped is the greatest example of humility this world has ever known. It's, it's a divine example. The glory of the Son of God who is and remains eternal. God was his desire to become a servant for others. His looking out for the interests of others. He did not care that people could not see that he was God Almighty because his own position and his own honor were not the first things on his mind. He was willing to be known by people as, as one who was less than God. He was willing to put on sandals on his human feet to walk around in the dust and places where the feet needed to be washed. He was willing to, to feel hunger and, and to eat and drink. He was willing to be found in appearance as a man. He was willing to even die on a cross because he was not seeking to please himself but to serve others. And we rejoice because we know that he came to serve us. And Jesus Christ's willingness to be a servant and his excellence and his perfect servanthood, they show us what God wants to see in all his kingdom, in all his body. Jesus told the church in Mark 10, verse 45, he says, he did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. He taught us that in the kingdom of God, there is no room for those who want to grasp glory and honor for themselves, who want to lord it over others. And he says in Mark 10 that greatness in the kingdom of God is willingness to serve. It's humility. After Jesus washed his disciples' feet, he asked them, 
if they understood what he had done to them. He wanted them to see his birth, his humiliation, his willingness to to serve in humility. He wanted them to see that as an example. And then he says to the church of all times and all places in the world, and it's a very fitting, fitting words to remember this Christmas morning. He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. And Jesus' servanthood is not just a reality in his incarnation when he became a baby. For he tells us in Luke 12, and, and we're reading that a lot in our, in our family visits and we're studying Luke 12 a little extra this year, But in Luke 12, and we looked at that before, it tells us about the time when the master returns and he finds those servants who are ready to receive them when he comes at an hour that they did not expect. And then we read in Luke 12, verse 37, as a picture of the glory of heaven when the master returns, we read, and the master will dress himself for service and he will have them recline at the table and he will come and serve them. From eternity to eternity, the Lord reveals that his love and his grace includes his willingness to serve the undeserving. This is part of the glory, part of his eternal kingdom. That's why that vision in Isaiah 6 of the Lord, highly exalted, is compare, is, is also describes the cherubim where they are serving one another. Service and humility is a part of the eternal kingdom of God. If you are a Christian, starts our chapter two, if you are a Christian under that divine blessing, it means that you are a servant. A servant of the Most High God, worshiping and confessing the name that is above every name, and a servant who does everything not out of selfish ambition and vain conceit, but in humility, counting others better than yourselves. A servant who does not feel entitled by his position or accomplishments, yes, teacher or Lord, no. That's not what defines him, but one who stands out because of his service, who makes no distinction between those who are worthy and unworthy of his attention and cares, but but Christians follow their Lord and Master, dressed for service, looking out for the interests of others. Brothers and sisters, Christmas celebrations remind us of that eternal, glorious, and exalted King that we are worshiping right now on our bended knees, down on the ground in, in all humility, And as we're down on our knees before his throne, we see a king who does not see us as inferior subjects, but he is the kind of king who's willing to come down from his throne, put his arm around us to to love us, to, to serve us, to die for us in complete submission. 
giving us the complete redemption. And that is what the kingdom of God is like. Kings coming down from their thrones to serve. And that is what God is calling you to be like today as well. Christmas is much more than a celebration of the love of God. It is a call. It is an urgent call to every one of us. It it calls us, it draws our hearts, it draws our bodies to service, to humility. Do you want to celebrate Christmas like God would have you do? And then do that every day of the year? Love one another in humility, without conditions, serving. Reveal the glory of God in your willingness to serve, to give, rather than to grasp for yourself and to be served. We sing it so nicely in hymn 15. We sang that on Sunday. Let your hearts be true and humble, as befits his holy reign. Amen.